This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. This is why we can't get married. Brian doesn't know what to do. I don't want to lose my vowels. Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watched season five, episode 13 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Blood Ties. As well as Gilmore Girls' Wedding Bell Blues. Um, both were good? Both were good. Yeah. It's going to be a tough one, I think. We're getting into the thick of the plot now. Yeah, these were kind of similar in a way. I feel like they both were like, here's some juicy things. Yeah. Like Buffy revealed some things and Gilmore Girls threw some some stuff at us. Some big twist happened in Gilmore Girls, I think. Yeah. Well, I don't know about twists. I mean, we saw all this coming. Yeah, Gilmore Girls wasn't twists, but it, like right at the end, they were like, things are happening. Oh, yeah, for sure. But we'll get into that later. Not too much new going on in our lives. Uh, I threw my back out, so mm. moving around sucks. Yeah, he waddles like a penguin. It's cute. <laughs> Are penguins always in pain? Are their backs all thrown out all the time? That's yeah. They walk like that. We also just binged all the Stranger Things in two days. Yes. Can't wait for the next one. The seven episodes that came out of season four, Memorial Day weekend. We just watched those. We have uh, some people on the show that are like, are you supposed to be a kid? Because you, you, you're like as old as I am, man. Like, if you've thrown your back out, you probably shouldn't be playing a teen. I think it's because the little kids are like 20 years old playing 14. They need to make the seniors in high school 30. Right. I mean, Buffy suffers from that a little bit, specifically like Cordelia, <laughs> Charisma Carpenter. Yeah, it almost, it didn't bother me in Buffy, except maybe Cordelia. Xander looked a little old. Yeah. But now Xander is like a 40-year-old man playing 20. In shape buff man. Yeah, Xander's like a dilf. And Giles is supposed to be 22, and he doesn't look at it at all. <laughs> we have a fun little Stranger Things ritual, though. We always blow up our air mattress and, like, make a whole comfy little situation on the living room floor. Yeah, our cat is dubious about it. He's like, wait, what is this new object that's appeared? Yeah, he, like, waited till we were out of the room to, like, check it out and then did not approve and then took, like, the long way out of the living room. <laughs> But anyway, I'm excited to talk about these episodes. Uh, I'm excited because we're going to watch some more tonight and have some more wine. We have a partnership with Wink.com where we get wine from them and we always drink one when we watch Buffy and Gilmore Girls. You guys should check out Wink.com if you're into wine. Uh, The way it works is that you fill out a little survey about the different types of foods you like. And then from that, they can determine what they think would best work for your palate, and they'll send you wines that they think you're going to like. You also don't have to do that. You could just be like, these are the wines I want. Forget the survey. Send me these, and I'll do that for you, too. We just got some new ones. I'm excited to try them. Yeah, me too. Weirdly, the food we like is Indian and Thai, which we're going to order after this, but none of the ones we got go with that. That's weird. Yeah, you'd think they'd be like, wow, we better send them some Indian pairings. Yeah, it's true. They have in the past. Yeah, they have. The ones we got all go with barbecue and red sauce. Have you been filling out the survey? Yeah, sounds like it. Brian loves ribs. I don't dislike ribs. I just, Brian's passionate about ribs. I just really like ribs. They're delicious. I'm going to eat a ton of ribs tomorrow and watch Sonic the Hedgehog. That sounds like a, I'm going out of town day. (laughs) By out of town, I mean to Brooklyn, which is basically out of town. It's very far. Yeah. 
Uh, so check out Wink.com, and if you order using our promo code, Gilmore Slayer, you can get your first shipment of four wines for $29.95. That's less than $10 a wine bottle. It's a pretty good deal, and the wine's good, and if you don't like it, just discontinue it. Yeah, you can always cancel. You can always skip a month. It's great. You can get there by clicking on the link in our episode description and social media bios, and don't forget to use promo code Gilmore Slayer when you check out. We got a five-star review. Nice. Thank you so much to P. Brown Sam 77 Oh, I, I read that as PBR owns Am 77. Am? <laughs> I guess it doesn't. I read the first part. I was like, he loves PBR. Yeah, PBR owns the morning. PBR owns AM. <laughs> I'm 77. It's just an old man that likes getting up in the morning and having a beer. Well, uh, thanks, PBR or P. Brown. Just a reminder, if you guys skip the part at the end, if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. And it really helps us get discovered on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it really helps our algorithm. So if you can give us a five-star review, we'd love it. Really appreciate it. Yeah, even just hitting five stars is good. But yeah. leaving a review is even better. Well, this week we started with Buffy. Stacy, could you please tell us all about Blood Ties? Yeah, so Blood Ties is about Dawn finding out the truth about herself. Yep. At least as much as everyone else knows. And it's Buffy's birthday. That's it. It really is. Moving on to Charmed. No. <laughs> so like I said, Buffy's birthday is coming up, and Buffy's just too bummed to want a party, but her friends insist. How come they only care about Buffy's birthday? Is it ever anyone else's birthday? I guess Tara had one, but everyone dreaded that more than Spike. Yeah, I mean, Buffy does save the world a bunch, so you might they might put some extra emphasis on her birthday. She might get some extra birthdays. She might get fewer birthdays than all of them combined in, in general, though. That's maybe true. They're like, we don't know how long this will continue, so we better exactly. They just don't know what to do about Glory now that they know she's a god. And Giles informs us that Glory and two of her fellow hell gods ruled over one of the more unpleasant demon dimensions. Anya adds that there are thousands of demon dimensions, and they all push on the edges of our reality. But why? Well, she doesn't say but why. You're asking but why, right? I think somebody asked why, but that's all we know right now. Glory's very strong and invulnerable, obviously, but they also suspect that being in human form is limiting her powers a bit, also slowly making her insane. She seemed insane when she showed up, but yeah, she needs to feed. Giles goes on to confirm what we've seen, that she seems to, like, absorb energy from human brains, leaving behind a whole bunch of crazy people in her wake. But the gang wants to know about the key. So Bubby admits that her and Giles know where it is, and everyone else is understandably a bit miffed that Buffy didn't tell them. But then she does. But we don't see that part. Instead, we see the Knights of Byzantium. Byzantium sounds like a fucking allergy medication. <laughs> Take Byzantium. Ask your doctor about Byzantium. <laughs> yes. If one pill doesn't do it, take three. If three doesn't, take a hundred. The Byzantium won't stop coming. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's the deal with the knights. They keep coming until they do their thing. Their thing is taking care of the key. We see them all do a little fireside chant about how the key is the link that must be severed, blah, 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 until Glory's little minions show up. All like, are you sure about this? The knights are clearly the better fighters here. I could have told you that, minions. Yeah, these these guys do not look like they can fight. Like, these actors are like, even just in these robes, I feel like they can't move very fast. I mean, there's a reason certain people were cast as minions and certain people were cast <laughs> as knights of Byzantium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. The knights kill all but one, and they're about to kill that one when Glory shows up. 
And then she kills all but one of the knights. She takes him back to her place to interrogate him and figure out where the key is. He says he doesn't know, and if he did, he wouldn't tell her. And then there's this misdirect where it seems like she's maybe going to steal his virginity, but instead steals his good brain stuffs. Same thing. (laughs) I'm sure. This episode must have been a little shorter than some, because the previously on was a little long, and all of the black fades between scenes are really long. Yeah. So after the opening credits and 10 minutes of blackness, we see Willow and Tara outside the magic shop doing a security alarm spell to alert them in case anything demon-like tries to come in the shop. They're explaining this all to Dawn. They also mentioned that they've done this to her house already. Now, this spell seems to be mostly sprinkling sand on the ground. Is there a shortage of sand? Why are we just doing this now? Why aren't we doing this to everyone's house? It's true. Could have maybe avoided a whole lot of bad things if we did this already. Day one. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Willow's getting better and better each day at magic. So possible she didn't really know or have the ability to do this until now. Yeah. It just seems like there wasn't a lot involved besides colorful sand being sprinkled. I mean, a lot of magic in Buffy is colorful sand being sprinkled. Who knows what they had to do to get the sand colorful, I guess. Yeah, it's intense. Everyone's super weird about Dawn now because they all know the secret. Except on. Anya just shouts, you make a very pretty little girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then Don notices Giles tucking some of his journals under the counter. Hmm, she thinks to herself. Buffy has done a complete 180 on birthdays. They're throwing her a party at her house, and she's just like a baby suddenly. She's like, <laughs> Prezies, gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> This is your 100th birthday, Buffy. You know the drill. <laughs> Anya's maybe never been to a birthday. She just wants all of Buffy's presents for herself. Yeah. Also, almost everyone is standing around the present area for some reason. It's very awkward staging. Aren't there like a bunch of dining room chairs they could have brought in? There's only two people on the couch. There's a lot more couch. Well, there's not a lot of room in there with the elephant in the room, Don not being real. Mm-hmm. He's sitting on the couch. <laughs> Giles is wearing a very cool jacket, by the way. Do you see it? Yeah, I did. He's looking good. For well, not good for a 22-year-old, I'm telling you. No, 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 no. Dawn gives Buffy her present, which is a picture of when they visited their dad in San Diego one summer. And she's decorated it with shells that they picked up off the beach. This makes everyone very sentimental because they know that this memory is bullshit. Yeah. Did the monks conjure the shells, though? I think so. I mean, I think... I think since the key's alive, it has some agency over what it's controlling and creating. It doesn't, like, isn't aware that it's doing that. It's alive? Well, I mean, Dawn is awake and aware. Yeah. Okay. Because I imagine by this logic, the shells were in her room when she arrived six months ago. Right, and maybe they were. Maybe they're shells that Buffy had. Or they were just made up when they did the spell. It's magic. They had a lot to think about in that, like, short period of time. I feel like it's one of those spells where you start it and it's like, all right, spell, here's the parameters. You figure out the rest. Yeah. Make her birthdays really sad and sparsely attended so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but make sure Buffy's birthday is the shit. <laughs> yeah. Dawn has, of course, noticed that everyone's being weird around her, which is what Buffy was worried about in the first place as far as telling everyone. And honestly, it would be hard not to be. Yeah, I was thinking about that. At first, I was like, you could do it. But like, I don't know. It's just It'd be such a thing to be like, this person you've known your whole life has never been real. All those memories are fake. That's the kind yeah. of fuck with you. What a strange thing she is. 
It's probably a relief for Tara. Like, yeah, I didn't really like her, so now we just don't have to. <laughs> I think Tara does like her, actually. But Anya insists that they're not talking about her. Her and Xander were talking about sex. You know, sometimes they role play. Sometimes as a fireman. Sometimes as a shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> really want to know more about her shepherd fantasy. You know, back when she was young and sexual, shepherds were a thing. So. Sure, but fireman's like a rescue scenario. What is the shepherd just watching his sheep? That used to be sexy, I'm sure, back in the day. Yeah, maybe. And, you know, she's... That's when she was sexually active. Did you say that's when? <laughs> that's when she was sexually active. Let us know if you've got shepherd fantasies. And someone who probably does. I'm a lady on the streets and a freak in the sheeps. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dawn doesn't believe that nothing's going on. She's convinced everyone's talking about her, so she's just going to go to bed. She goes upstairs, she slams the door, but she doesn't go to bed. She climbs out her window and bumps into Spike, who just lives in the yard now. <laughs> totally, right? She's like, lurk a much? He's like, I wasn't lurking. I was standing about. It's a whole different vibe. <laughs> and he's holding the beat-up box of chocolates he was practicing to give Buffy a few weeks ago. Dawn kind of makes fun of him, telling him she's not scared of him because she's badder than him. He's like, oh, yeah? Were you going to watch Teletubbies with your friends? Now, it wasn't in this week's Gilmore Girls. It was the previous one, but Gigi was watching Teletubbies. Yeah. Could be a thing. I'm telling you, it's, it's, there's connections. But Tom's like, no, I'm going to break into the magic shop to steal things. And Spike decides it could be dangerous for Dawn out on her own. Mostly seeing an opportunity to be a hero if Buffy finds out about this. Plus, stealing stuff doesn't sound too bad to him either. So they break in. She finds Giles' notebook. They light some candles, sit on the floor, have a little book club. Spike finds the troll hammer, which is still heavy. I'm still not sure what Willow Spell did to the troll hammer. Yeah, I don't really know because he was still strong and I don't, I don't know. It was like it disenchanted it, but it still was heavy. Who knows? It's just weird that they showed it again. But in the journals, Dawn comes across some stuff about the key. That only those outside reality can see the key's true nature. Psychics and lunatics, Spike says. Which triggers a whole bunch of flashbacks for Dawn to all the times crazy people told her she wasn't real. Giles' notes also say that necromanced animals can detect the key, specifically dogs and snakes. Dawn remembers the snake that was chasing her. This makes me wonder if um, if maybe Oz would be able to tell she was the key. Mm. He's not like a necromanced animal, but I don't know exactly what that means. Because the snake, I don't remember them killing the snake. Maybe they did. Yeah, who's necromancing a dog? Yeah. So I, I, it's just interesting to think that maybe he would have been able to tell she was the key. Spike goes on to read that the key was sent to Buffy to protect in the form of a human sister. Do you think that means Dawn? Probably. Cut to black for another 20 minutes. <laughs> Spike just like straight up is like, oh, you're the key. <laughs> like, that's got to be interesting for him, right? He's yeah. Just, he takes it very lightly. Like, oh, that's interesting. It was a cute scene, him and Dawn. Yeah. I think he was just kind of looking out for her, but also probably just bored and might score him some points with Buffy. Right. And it's something evil he can do. You know, he likes to steal. Back at the party, Buffy's complaining about how bummed she is she didn't get a birthday card from the guy she shipped off to war without saying goodbye to. I mean, I feel like Riley did give her a gift for her birthday. Gave us all a gift by going away. (laughs) His gift is the gift of not being present. The present of not being present, I think you meant? Yeah. 
Thank you, Riley. I would love just a quick scene of him just getting like ravaged in Belize just for like a minute and then we come back. Like getting murdered? <laughs> no, no, just having a real hard time, but we don't address it. <laughs> he didn't Meanwhile. give me a car. Oh my God, Graham's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I made him an old man in that. Oh no. Belize ages you. Yeah. So they're all having some girl talk when- Wait, who's having girl talk? Buffy and Taryn Willow. Where are the other people? I don't know. It's the only three in the room. Oh, okay. I think Joyce is like talking to Giles. Giles is probably like, so did they remove any memories or? So Buffy's talking about Riley when they're interrupted by Dawn slicing her arms up with a giant knife. No big deal. Michelle Trachtenberg does a really good job in this scene, I think. Yeah. She's all like, is this blood? What am I? Am I real? Am I anything? Party's over. (laughs) Way to go, Dawn. Buffy's all like, you ruined prezzies. <laughs> Anya's just picking up all the presents, taking them home. Everyone leaves. Buffy and Joyce do their best to explain this to Dawn. They're like, yeah, you've only been here like six months. It's complicated because they like do remember her always being there, which they try to explain. But Dawn's like, do you actually care about me or am I just your job? She screams at them to get out. I mean, it's a lot to find out that you're fake. I don't blame her at all. I mean, you would... This would just be devastating. Yeah. I think Spike even says later, like, she's also like 14 and going through a lot just like as a pubescent person. Right. So as much as like Dawn is annoying, I feel like, and a lot of people complain that Dawn's annoying, like this like outburst is completely justified. Yeah. I don't mind her that much. We've complained about her maybe seeming too young, being kind of an annoying sister for 14. Like, I feel like a 14-year-old wouldn't want to be in her sister's business that much. She'd have her own business, her own crushes, her own things to do after school. I'd agree with you, unless, like, monks made it so you have zero friends and your sister's super cool supermodel with, like, a ton of friends and, like, she saves the world over and over again. Yeah, the monks really fucked her over. (laughs) Like, you have no friends, literally none. I'm sure Dawn has friends, but, like, we've never seen them. She was going across the street to hang out with a friend one time. Yeah, well, she wasn't allowed to go, so we don't know that that's even real. The next day at the magic shop, they're trying to figure out the purpose of the key so that Buffy can help Dawn figure out where she comes from. But then they come across some cigarette butts in an urn, which leads Buffy to assume who might have helped Dawn break into the magic shop. So she busts into Spike's house. It's pretty funny. He's sitting on top of his coffin, painting his nails. And she just like yanks the cover out from underneath him. (laughs) So he falls into the coffin. Yeah, he's more concerned about his nails, too. Spike explains to her that he didn't do anything wrong. He was just protecting her. It's not like he knew what was up. And Buffy's like, well, she shouldn't have had to find out that way. Spike's like, yeah, well, maybe you should have told her and not be blaming me right now. Which she doesn't like. And which is probably not what he should have said if he wants Buffy to love him. But he's right. Yeah. Like, I mean, he maybe could have been like, hey, Buffy, your sister escaped. She said she's going to the magic shop instead of like aiding her. But he's also not their friend. So (laughs) he's a villain. Joyce is trying to get Dawn to go to school, but Dawn correctly points out that blobs of energy don't need an education. That's fair. Stay home, girl. Yeah. I mean, Joyce doesn't argue with her. She's like, I'll make you some soup. Yeah. Joyce tries to fix things with soup, and Dawn's all like, you're not my mother, and I changed my mind. I'd rather be at school. Meanwhile, Ben is tending to the mental ward and recognizes one of them as one of the knights. Glory's possibly only surviving minion, Jinx, is just lurking in this room. He and Ben seem chill. 
Jinx says the knights are like ants. No matter how many they kill, they'll keep coming. And that it's time Ben put his old animosities aside because Ben's fate is directly linked to Glory's. And he says that Glory's been extra forgiving of him. But if he continues to not help, she'll be forced. Ben's like, forced to do what? Glory can't lay a finger on me and everybody knows it. I don't know that. So probably just like a couple people know. Most people don't know you have a connection. Did he say everybody knows that? I feel like you added that. (laughs) Yeah, I might have. You didn't like everybody knows. Now I want to look because he might have. All right. I have the episode up. I can't hear it, but I have the captions on. Glory can't lay a finger on me. You know it. I know it. She knows it. Okay, so it's just the three of us. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, everybody knows. You can ask anybody. They know the deal about me and Glory and what the rules are. (laughs) Except for Buffy. We've all kept it for Buffy. Dawn's at home reading her old diaries while Buffy and Joyce sit downstairs loudly talking about how Dawn isn't real and that they're not her family, which Dawn just loves. (laughs) She overhears this, of course. She's always overhearing. They're never careful. She's always listening. It's like her X-Men ability. Just leave the house if you're going to talk about her. But I want to point out that like reading your old journal and realizing that all of it's fake, that's got to be crazy. Yeah, I was surprised she chose that activity. I would be interested too. I'd be like, wait, what? You know, like maybe it'll some clue. I mean, this would drive a person insane. This would be terrifying. Yeah, but she does remember it all. Right, but to know that you can't trust your own memories... So she smashes up her room. She rips up her diaries. Then like five minutes later, Joyce says to Buffy, like, how can you talk about her that way? Buffy's like, I didn't mean those things. That she's not real and that we're not her family. That's probably just how she feels. But I thought it'd be more dramatic if she overheard it out of context. Yeah. Joyce is like, she needs us. She needs her family. Buffy's like, mom, mom, honey, you're not that great at the whole mom thing. You just started being sympathetic this season, Joyce. Don't pretend. <laughs> Dawn's more interested in answers about what she is than your lame-ass Campbell soup. <laughs> and then Buffy, out of frustration, says that Glory wants to shove Dawn in some kind of a lock and give her a good twirl. That was funny. She's a key. Yeah. Then an alarm goes off, which Buffy thinks is Willow's alarm spell. But it was just Dawn starting a fire in a room, so it was the smoke detector. She's escaped out the window again. They got to get her some of those bars from Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, which we also just watched in preparation for Stranger Things. Yeah, the first one was good. It was interesting. Yeah, I had never seen it. It's not perfect, but it was, there's some good stuff. Yeah, I agree. We started watching the third one. I wasn't, that one wasn't good. Just some of the actors are bad. The main actress is terrible. She was also in the first one, but. I know, she was terrible in that. But Johnny Depp was in it. Yeah. And he does way worse to take a shit in that bed. (laughs) (laughs) He covers it in blood. If you, if you guys didn't get that joke, just uh, Google Johnny Depp shit in bed. <laughs> At the magic shop, Buffy's telling everyone that Dawn left and burned all her diaries. Willow's like, what? But she's been keeping those since. And Buffy finishes her sentence. Since she was seven, I remember too. How does Willow remember this? Dawn is 14. The show is not seven years old. So Willow wouldn't have known Dawn when she was seven. Hmm. It's possible Dawn has told Willow how long she's been keeping her diaries, but... Willow and Buffy have only known each other five years. Yeah. Anyway, I guess Spike's at this meeting. What was that conversation between him and Buffy like? Hey, I know I was just super mean to you on your self-care day, but like, want to come be a Scooby? (laughs) I mean, he knows about Dawn now, so. Yeah. He's sort of in the inner circle now. Dawn has gone to the playground where she has a memory of Buffy pushing her on the swing. 
Giles and Xander are in a group searching for her. And Xander tells Giles that Dawn has a crush on him. Yet another powerful woman attracted to him. <laughs> Giles just walks away. Yeah, Giles is like, your point? Xander's like, oh, I'm just gross and toxic. <laughs> Buffy and Spike get to the playground after Dawn has left. And Buffy admits that Spike was right, that she should have told Dawn. And Spike very sweetly tells her that they'll find her. He's been a nice man this episode. He's not a man. He's a nice man. <laughs> the gang eventually meets up in the graveyard. No one's been able to find Dawn. Buffy's like, well, better check the hospital, I guess. Assuming if something happened to her, that's where she'd be, not just like a place she'd randomly go hang out. Right. But she has. She's gone to the hospital to visit the mental patients since they seem to know so much about her. Makes sense. Yeah. She walks into their room. They all start chanting, it's here, it's here. Make it stop. The skin's too tight. Can't hear it. What's the frequency? All spilled out. They don't like her. They're making it very clear. She's unwelcome. Yeah. But she demands they tell her what she is. And then finally, the knight who's in there shouts, the key. She's like, okay, great. Let's have a dialogue. What am I? Where did I come from? He's like, oh, you know, destroyer, cracked earth and bones. And he says the key is the link that must be severed, such as the will of God. That's his whole thing. Yeah, he says a lot about will of God. This is not what she wanted to hear. So she runs out and into Ben, who's like, there, there, little girl, makes them some cocoa in the break room. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Is, is your mom acting up again? Can I call your sister? Don's like, I don't have a sister. He's like, oh, fighting with a sister. I know how that can be. I have a sister too. Is this the first time he said that? I can't remember if he said something about them being siblings. I think so. I think I just guessed that. Although it's a bit misleading. Okay. Don's like, stop trying to relate to me. We have very different weird circumstances. <laughs> I'm just a thing made by monks, so Glory couldn't find me. She says monks, by the way. No one told her how to pronounce it clearly. Yeah, and then Ben freaks out because he hates it when people are mispronounced monks. <laughs> yes. Don, this is a lot to share with a rando hospital dude. Yeah. He's cute, though, and he's an intern. It's true. That's what we know about him. But he ain't no rando hospital dude. He's like, oh, you're the key. Maybe you should go. Because if you stay, Glory's going to find you and hurt you. She's been looking for you. And then Ben says he can feel she's coming. She's coming. She's here. And then Ben is Glory? What? He kind of just becomes her. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's just like a <laughs> shitty, dumb response, but I don't want to spoil anything. Glory seems to not remember any of the events that just transpired, but she does have a sexy dress stored in a locker. So she's been here before. But That makes me wonder about that scene where Ben was changing and the little tongue out demon was coming to find him. But then Glory was in the locker room. Did Ben turn into Glory then? I mean, that's probably what happened. Yeah. I was afraid rewatching it that that scene would be too like, oh, they're the same. But I guess on first watch, you don't think that. No, it is a little weird that she's lurking in there and knows he'd be in there. But like, was the monster in there looking for Glory? Yeah, I and feel she just like, stuck up on him. I or feel like was he there looking for Ben? <laughs> I think it was just there to kill anybody. Anyway, Don's like, you're Ben? Glory's like, eh, it's more complicated than that. We'll get to that later. And then a security guard comes in to inform her that this room is for hospital personnel only, which must mean that there's cameras in the locker room. That's not cool. Yeah. How does he know that she's in there for one? Okay. Number two, how does he know that she doesn't work at the hospital? Like, does he know every single person's face? Like every single person that works there, he knows exactly what they look like. Well, interns don't wear fancy red dresses. Yeah. <laughs> this one does half the time. 
It just, it seemed ridiculous timing. The writing on this was bad. They just walk in, they're like, you don't belong here. He could have been like, hey, this is the men's changing room. I don't know if there's co-ed or or something, but. It's weird because they call it a break room, but also there are lockers in there. So that is where they change. So it'd be weird if there's cameras in there. But he walked in like he had seen her on the cameras. He didn't walk in and be like, wait a minute, what are you doing here? And also, Ben brought Dawn in, so like Ben didn't think like this is going to end poorly because they're super strict here. If anything, it's weird that Dawn's there. He should be yelling at her. Right. Why would there be a child in there? I guess maybe he might have been. I feel like he was talking to Glory. Well, Glory agrees. She snaps this guy's neck. She must then take Dawn to a different room because they're later in like a radiology lab. Yeah, Glory's very big on following the rules, so she does leave the room. <laughs> she tries to get Dawn to tell her where the key is. She suspects that Buffy's got it hidden somewhere. Dawn partially tries to play dumb, but I think she's also trying to get information from Glory about what the hell being a key even means. Yeah. She asks what it looks like. Apparently last Glory saw it, it was a bright green swirly shimmer. But after what the monks did to it, it could look like anything. Dawn's like, cool, what else can you tell me about it? Glory's like, well, it's been around a long time. Not quite as long as me. Can the key eat ice cream? (laughs) She says it's maybe evil, depending on how you look at it. Well, that was kind of a misdirect, right? Because Dawn's like, is it evil? And she's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then Dawn's sort of like, oh, shit, I'm evil. And then she's like, well, I mean, it depends how you look at it. Right. So we still don't exactly know. And she asks what it opens. But Glory's starting to get suspicious of this line of questioning. And another misdirect. You think she's about to accuse Dawn of being the key, but she actually accuses her of not knowing where it is. She's getting mad. She's getting woozy. She's got a feed. So she decides she's going to do the brain sucky thing to Dawn. But meanwhile, Buffy and friends have arrived at the hospital and overhear a different security guard talking about how he saw the next snap security guard. So they suspect this is Glory. So this dude's just like openly describing a dead body as he walks past some random hospital patrons. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? It's like, it was like ripped clean off. You could see the skull. It wasn't that gross. It was pretty gross. Dude's dick was small. I looked and (laughs) I thought we should mention that. That's what he gets for watching people on the cameras while they change. (laughs) Yeah. Buffy arrives at the radiology lab just in time to save Dawn. All of the friends are there. Did they check every room? The guard said the dead guy was in the break room, but they've switched locations. So how many rooms did they bust into confidently before they found (laughs) Like seven. Just like with the same line prepared. Not so fast. (laughs) Hold it right there. Some nurses making out. What are you doing? Just leave us alone. (laughs) So Buffy fights Glory, which we've established she's not good at. Glory compliments her shoes, which is pretty funny, because Glory loves shoes. Yeah. Spike also tries to help. He's also not good at it. I love that you're saying, you're not saying that Glory is super powerful. You're just saying that they're not good at fighting. Yes, Spike and Buffy have let themselves go a bit. They're not good. You're just not good at fighting Glory. Glory's not that good. It's just they're not good at fighting Glory. (laughs) Giles is just holding a crossbow at her this whole time. Like, that's going to do anything. I think that's what she says, too. He shoots her with it. It kind of bounces off of her. Xander tries to hit her with a crowbar. That also doesn't do anything. They're maybe just trying to distract her. I don't think so, though. I think they were just like, we'll try some stuff. I mean, it, it's, she's right there. You might as well try. Like, yeah. She can kill all of you. It's funny because Spikes like gets some hits in on her and is all like, I thought you said this bra was tough. And then she just immediately shuts the spike down. Yeah, she slams him against a bunch of stuff. But then the scene with Xander, where he's like sneaking up with the crowbar. And I'm like, dude, you're not, it's not going to go well, man. Yeah, like, it doesn't do anything except give Glory something to hurl at Dawn. Yeah. But Buffy launches herself in front of it just before it hits Dawn, hits Buffy in the chest. Maybe it was meant to be a distraction because this whole time Tara and Willow are chanting some kind of spell. 
which culminates in them tossing some glitter onto Glory. Sand. I'm sure it's just colored sand. It looks shiny. Shiny sand. And it makes her disappear. It also makes Willow fall down. Willow says it was a teleportation spell she's been working out the kinks of. And that she's not really sure where she sent her. It seems different from the spell they did on the troll to send him somewhere. But they also weren't sure where they were sending him. Right. We do see her, though. She's just, like, floating in the sky above what I assume is Sunnydale falls to the earth. Giles is like, hmm, that's a hard spell for a baby witch. <laughs> I just love the way he said that. He said it so like, ah, what a hard spell for a baby witch. <laughs> that's 22-year-old Giles, baby. I'm taking a drag of a cigarette after he says that. <laughs> Willow's like, yeah, I'm not going to try that again soon. She seems like took a lot out of her. Yeah. Dawn's still not having any of Buffy's sister sympathy. So Buffy does a little blood swap with her chest blood and Dawn's hand blood and tells her, no, they are sisters. And Dawn finally is like, okay, we can hug. I'm just so scared and confused right now, but I do see that you care. And then Dawn remembers Ben, kind of. She starts to tell Buffy that he was there helping her, but then just says she thinks he might have left before Glory came, but can't remember. Hmm. And then they go home. I feel like watching this the first time, I feel like you might not realize that what Dawn just said didn't make any sense. Like, you might think that Dawn is just sort of misremembering it or something. But, like, Ben changed right in front of her. No, I was like, that happened, right? Like, why is Dawn confused? Right. Something must be going on that she's forgetting. I assumed she had been like enchanted to forget what happened. Mm. Well, Brian, did you think this was a good episode? Yeah, it's a good episode. There's some really good acting by Michelle Trachtenberg. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought it was good and like relatable. Not relatable. That's not the word. I, I yeah, don't what know what do you like. relate to specifically? I'm a key, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. We've been dating for six months. The rest of it's all fake, all right? So I'm a key? No, I'm a key. Kurt, who's a key? Prezies. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a good episode. Not the best episode, but it's it moved the plot along. Uh, and we got some nice family stuff with Buffy and her mom and sister. Yeah, we got a lot of reveals with the Dawn stuff. Yeah. And some Ben and Glory stuff. There wasn't anything like crazy amazing in it. I feel like the action scene with She's Fights Glory is interesting, but like it wasn't like, oh my God, what a great action sequence either. I like Glory as a villain. I feel like I've enjoyed her in other episodes more. Yeah. Like... I wasn't really afraid she was going to kill Dawn in this one. Right. Just because we just found out the deal with her. But it was still tense. I just, I think I enjoy her sort of craziness. But in this one, I don't know. I didn't like it as much. Yeah. I like Buffy bonding with her sister. I liked when they shared blood. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And I liked the Spike and Dawn scene. Yeah, that was sweet. So yeah, I thought it was a pretty good Buffy. Not amazing. It didn't like touch my heartstrings like previous ones have. Mostly because like I've not... Well, I mean, it did a little bit with Dawn. Yeah, the the scene where Dawn comes in with a knife and it's like, what am I? Is this blood? That was kind of touching. Yeah. Or not touching, but like, whoa, yeah, that's a lot, girl. Emotional. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also thought it was a little weird with Buffy's like sending everyone home and Giles is like, I can stay. And she's like, no, it's a family thing. It's like, yeah, but also she's not really family. And Giles knows a lot of shit. So like, maybe. Yeah, Giles knows way more about it than Joyce. What's Joyce going to do? Yeah. So I, I, I bet Dawn would not hate the idea that Giles is there to answer questions. <laughs> right. I would be like, can Giles stay, please? Uh, but anyway, yeah, it was pretty good. All right, Brian. Should we move on? Yes. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries, Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed Season 5, Episode 13, House Call, 
The Council of Witch Doctors makes a house call to the Charmed Ones and use voodoo dolls to lead them down various paths of self-destruction. Okay, well, this doesn't sound like a good house call. No, no. Do you, do you think that they were just, like, sick and called a regular doctor? I mean, I saw the episode. It was just, like, hard to tell if that's what happened. Yeah, but then witch doctors showed up. You know, I, I bet what it is, what it was, what it shall be, is that Phoebe is still a little sad yeah. from losing Cole. And Paige and Piper are dumb. So they were just like, I don't know, maybe a doctor? So they, they looked up doctor in the Green Pages, which is a witch phone book. And they just looked at the first one and called him. And they didn't really read the fine print, which is, we're voodoo, we'll hurt you. <laughs> That's in the fine print? Yeah. Well, at least they're honest. This is a lot like that episode of Buffy where the council shows up, but in this case, it's a bunch of doctors who are witches. Yeah, and they're mostly female, but there's a couple quiet male ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And one male doctor who really wants to fuck Phoebe bad. <laughs> but the main one's a female. She opens up her suitcase. There's three little voodoo dolls, you know, one for each of the girls. Yeah, like they use one of the, the voodoo dolls to like make Phoebe go to the bar and slap around her staff. And she's not even the one that works at the bar. I know. Uh, she's <laughs> like, whoa, you should be doing that to Piper. Of course, but the witch doctor doesn't know which one of them works at the bar. Yeah, so they're just like, wow, I'm going to tell your sister how crazy you're being. But it ends up being funny because, like, then the staff is, like, super afraid of Phoebe. And so, like, whenever Piper needs the staff to, like, get in line, she just invites Phoebe over for a drink. And everyone's just, like, suddenly, like, super well-mannered and, like, doing their job great. Yes, that was a very fun button at the end of the episode. Phoebe yeah. just shows up and they all, like, snap to attention. And she uses Paige's doll to keep jumping out of windows. But Paige can teleport, so it doesn't work. doesn't kill her. Yeah. Yeah, she could probably teleport. Right? She learned early in the episode. She was reading about teleporting. So yeah. it, it kind of, like, she did the same spell that Willow does. Like, she's a baby witch. <laughs> so there's this funny part where she keeps jumping on the window, but, like, teleporting to the top, and it's sort of like an endless loop. And that's funny. And it was like, I was like, well done, show. That's a, that's a clever physical yeah. comedy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Piper, they lose the doll. And so a lot of the episode, Piper's just on the floor. Yeah, she just, like, can't get up. She's you stuck under the couch. Give me a hand. But she gets out eventually, and it all works out. And Andy sees her. He's, like, hiding in the cupboard, but he's not telling where she is. No, he's a weirdo. At some point, Leo finds a doll and thinks it's a toy and just starts, like, running around the yard with it oh, in his mouth. Oh, yeah. She thought that was fun, though. Yeah, the girls save her. and like, you okay? And she's like, actually, that was pretty great. But at the end of the episode, they uh, connect the witch doctors to voodoo dolls. And they're just like, if you mess with us, we're going to hurt your dolls. But they also make them do dances, which is kind of funny. And they give one of them to Andy as a wife. Oh, okay. That She's uh, into it. She liked him. She saw him being uncovered. Because so, that raises a lot of questions. Yeah, she's like, do to me what you want, whenever you want. I am fine with it. I give consent. Anyway, this has been Meanwhile Uncharged. As you all know, we love watching TV together, often late at night, which a lot of times turns into late night snacks, which in our house is often a bowl of cereal or two. But we do try to keep things healthy around here when we can, so we're thrilled to have this episode sponsored by Magic Spoon, a healthy cereal that tastes just like the stuff we ate when we were kids. That's right. We tried Magic Spoon's variety pack, which includes four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs. And only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. That's right, a cereal that's good for you with a bunch of nostalgic flavors to choose from. My favorite was the fruity. Yeah, I like the frosted one, too. Mm-hmm. 
So go to magicspoon.com slash Gilmore Slayer to buy healthy versions of your favorite childhood cereals today. And be sure to use our promo code Gilmore Slayer to save $5 off your first order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash Gilmore Slayer. Thanks, Magic Spoon. Well, Brian, then we watched Gilmore Girls. Tell us about Wedding Bell Blues. There's just so much that happens in this episode. I just feel like I have to comment on all of it. This is a packed episode. This episode deals with the vowel renewal ceremony that... Did you say vowel renewal? <laughs> I did say vowel removal. Re- renewal. Did you say removal? <laughs> they're playing that game that they were playing at the Life and Death Brigade where they can't No vowels. They gotta take them all out. This episode is about the vowel renewal. The vowel removal. <laughs> It's, of Emily it's, and Richard. Yeah, they get into a fight with a knife. This episode is about the vowel. I no. Said it again. <laughs> this is why we can't get married. Brian doesn't know what to do. I don't want to lose my vowels. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be able to speak. You got this. Okay. So this episode is about the vow renewal ceremony that Emily and Richard are having. And Christopher shows up to this at the behest and encouragement of Emily to try to win Lorelai back. And that is mostly what this episode's about. It's also about Rory trying to figure out why her and Logan are dating. <laughs> so Rory and Lorelai are having a girls' night in, and they're marathon watching Cop Rock, which we looked up. Have you guys ever heard of Cop Rock? I've never heard of this. I thought it was fake, but I Googled it. Cop Rock is an American police procedural musical television series from the early 90s. You need to look this shit up, okay? This is a real what-the-fuck-were-they-thinking show. Like, the writers took two genres that have nothing to do with each other and do not fit, and they're like, you know what? We're gonna force these together and make a show out of it. Did you watch any clips? I did. It's supposed to be a serious show, but it legit seems like it's parroting shows. Oh, wow. It seems like it's supposed to be funny, but it's not. It's only like 11 episodes. Maybe we should watch it. Well, I watched a lot of the... um, Baby Merchant episode. <laughs> Baby Merchant? Yeah. It's so weird for this, like, ultra-serious, like, cop drama. But, like, the villains are like, I say you a baby. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, what? How did you sing these lines and everyone on set didn't burst into laughter? That sounds great. Like, Glee makes sense. It's like, we're a musical, but, like, we're a musical group. Okay, that's fine. There's a musical episode of Buffy. Yeah, but the show's whimsical. It's not dealing with like... Okay, sure, yeah. It'd be like if CSI was a musical. Yeah. Anyway, the show's crazy. The girls are marathoning the show, and they're also creating one of their extravagant junk food smorgasbords. It's like... Well, first off, Tater Tots is the healthiest, most food-like thing they are making. But they also have a platter of... It's hard to tell. I want to say that these are Eggo waffles, but I also feel like they might not be. They're either Eggo waffles or they're pancakes that they make in a toaster. I think there's Pop-Tarts. There's Pop-Tarts and there's those little powdery white donuts. There's so many on this plate. So many with syrup and stuff. And there's a scene where the focus is on Lorelai in the background, but Rory is just sprinkling on a bunch of marshmallows. I just realized there's a connection. I didn't say it, but in Buffy, Ben offers Dawn marshmallows marshmallows. for her cocoa. She's Mm -hmm. like, no, I don't like them. They're too squishy. Yeah. I'm telling you, these shows are connected. Also, Dawn Lamps look like Lorelai's dress. But yeah. We'll get there. Uh, Luke is at the house. He's not really hanging out with them. He's not part of movie night. He's there working on his bow in the garage. The girls are about to begin the musical art that is cop rock when Emily calls. Ugh. 
She has an issue with her wedding dress, and she needs Lorelai to repair it right away, and she insists that Lorelai do it right now. She's going to come over. It's really funny, because when Lorelai tells her that she should have the dressmaker fix it, because that's like her job, Emily says to her, when a woman gives birth to a crack baby, you don't buy her a puppy. And both I and Lorelai were like, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't really make sense. I I guess it it does, but... So Emily insists on coming over, and when she does, she startles Luke, who drops his sander and acts super awkward around her because he knows that she, like, disapproves of him. He tries to congratulate her on her renewing her vows, and she's all like, uh, you congratulate the groom. You offer the bride best wishes. And I'm just like, you suck, Emily. Really? He's trying to be nice, and you're correcting his form of niceness? I didn't know that you're supposed to say specific things to the bride or groom. No, I've never heard that in my life. And I would guess at least 70% of our audience is in the same boat. Yeah, and here Luke is trying to be nice and you're just like condescending to him. It's just, she sucks, man. She really does. She makes this face too when she leaves right after saying like, see you tomorrow. Like the idea of seeing him like pains her. She's like, does this face, I'm like, you, there's no way he didn't see that, Emily, you villain. Lorelai is, like, determined to fix this dress and, like, get her back out the door and get back to Cop Rock. That's how much she hates Emily. She's got to get back to Cop Rock. She wants her gone. But then Richard calls from Hitch Bachelor Party to check in on Emily's bachelorette party. And it becomes obvious to us and to Rory and Lorelai that Emily has decided that this is her bachelorette party. Do you think that she thought they'd be throwing her one? Or do you think that she just thought she'd come over and see what happened? I think she just thought she'd come over and see what happened because she didn't say on the phone, like, I'm ready for my bachelorette party. Because she starts, like, asking for drinks. She's like, I'm so nervous. I need a drink. No, she doesn't say, like, where are the drinks at or anything. I think she's like, I'm going to make a bachelorette party happen. Right. But Richard then must have been like, well, going to call the boys up. Like, Richard read a lot into it himself, I think. Yeah, well, Emily didn't say to Richard that it was the bachelorette party. He makes that clear that she just said she was going to spend some time with the girls. Emily communicates things she wants from people. And I think she would have communicated to Lorelai, like, you need to throw me a bachelorette party, too. So I, I don't know if Emily has any friends. Like, she, I think she probably has, like, frenemies. But, like, I don't know that she has anyone that would put this together for her. Is she? I mean, she might just, like... She probably could find people to go hang out with, but she might just be like, oh, if I want to have like a fun drinking time, Lorelai can probably offer that more than like Beanie Collins could. I think what happened is that she saw Richard was having a bachelor party and then she felt jealous and a little sad and she couldn't put something together that quickly. So she just made it happen with her daughter. And lied about the dress, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, could be. Well, she's making it happen now, and Lorelai is like, fine, I'm going to do this for my mom. So she just invites all of her, like, friends and acquaintances over, uh, some of which have never met Emily. Like, Gypsy shows up, and she's like, who's Emily? Emily calls her Gypsy, like, 14 times. Yeah, Gypsy's so uncomfortable. It's also, Emily just goes on to show, like, what a bad person she is. Like, she's so excited and proud to tell this funny anecdote about how she essentially stole the venue from some other people who were having a retirement party, and they had had reservations for two years for this party, and they forced these people to, like, move it to a shittier location across town, and she's so proud of it. But it's like, is this something to be proud of? It reminds me of that time that she kicked those Baptists off a plane so that she could travel to Europe last minute. Yeah. And she was all like, I can kick another one off for Rory. Like, Emily does not care about other people at all. And, like, honestly, it's it's not good. It's bad. Like, she's a bad person. 
I know we're supposed to feel bad for Emily a lot of the time. I feel like the show really is like, no, she's a human too. And and the show does a good job of that. But then there's stuff like this. You're like, someone needs to fucking put Emily in her place. She's a bad person. I mean, Richard is too. But like, I feel like Emily just takes joy in like almost hurting other people. We also don't know that these retired people aren't the worst. I mean, sure, but I have a feeling that the Baptists that she kicked off of that plane (laughs) were maybe not terrible people. I mean, I've met some shitty Baptists, so they could have been, but... Lorelai even says later that Roy shouldn't worry about it, because the people they kicked out are probably, like, doing something shitty themselves right now. Yeah, and that that brings me to the next scene. So after the party, a drunk Lorelai steals Emily's seating chart and, like, makes some adjustments to it. Rory, by the way, when they're flipping through, sees that Logan is attending the wedding, and she kind of smiles to herself a little bit. It's unclear if Rory's clocking that Logan's coming or that he's sitting next to a date, because there is a woman's name next to him. But she seems happy, not like Jelly. I don't know. She smiled, so... But it does also show us a woman's name next to him. Yeah. But I don't know that Rory would have any idea whether or not that's his date. Right, right, right. Rory mentions that she thinks Emily forcing that retirement party to move was uh, mean. And Lorelai mentions that her parents are selfish and entitled. They're just like the Life and Death Brigade kids. And then she essentially says all the things I complained about on the Mm -hmm. podcast. I was like, the show's treating this like it's magical, but like these are just a bunch of privileged rich kids not facing consequences. And that's exactly what Lorelai says. She's like, yeah, they're skipping school, spending money they didn't earn, and like doing a dangerous stunt because like nothing's going to happen to them when they know it because their parents are important. She goes on to say that, that all these people are the same. And then Rory gets defensive for some reason, saying that they're not all the same. Being rich doesn't automatically make you a bad person. wonder why she would have those feelings. Lorelai's like taking it back. She's like, no, I, I didn't mean it like that. Let's change the subject. Apparently, Emily fell asleep holding Lorelai's Hello Kitty pillow. Yeah, there's pictures. That's what she said. People fell asleep all over the house. Miss Patty is in Rory's bed. Babette is asleep on the couch. But was Miss Patty in Rory's bed? I saw Rory shut the door. I didn't see her in the bed. Yeah, she's in the bed. Uh, no word on if Gypsy stayed or Keong stayed. She was there. Luke shows up and he's like, uh, did anyone lock the door? This is like the third or fourth time he's been like, you, you're not locking your door. You need to start locking your door. Is something going <laughs> to happen? I feel like she's going to get robbed. He's mentioned it like four or five times. The girls are running behind. They're like in a race to get to the wedding. And they're like, we'll change at the wedding. Don't worry. Luke is like, I didn't know you could change at the wedding. And then he's super self-conscious because his pants are wrinkly. Lorelai's all like, oh, I bet Hemingway didn't worry about wrinkly pants. And Luke's like, yeah, he also blew his brains out. So I don't know how much of a role (laughs) model you want me to make this guy. I thought that was pretty funny. When they get to the wedding, I'm just going to call it a wedding because I don't know what else. I'm not going to call it vowel. Damn it. (laughs) Are you sure you don't want to call it that? So they get to the vowel removal, and (laughs) Emily's already pissed. There's a women's club that owns this building, and they're refusing to leave the salon room for their still-life painting class. And Lorelai's like, oh, were you going to use that room? And Emily's like, no. It's like, oh, you just wanted to kick them out because you're a terrible, terrible person. Like, she just wants them gone to have them gone. So she's mad that those people are there. She's also upset because her seating chart was messed up, and she fired her wedding planner because of it. Oops, Lorelai, you got somebody fired. Oops, Lorelai did it. Rory makes a joke about that. She says, third level of hell, table for one. Now, she's talking about Lorelai here and how she should feel guilty for essentially getting this woman fired, right? But in the context of this scene, Emily should think she's talking about her firing that woman. Hmm. Does Rory say it loud enough for Emily to hear, though? Totally. I mean, it's... I thought she kind of mumbled it to Lorelai. It's a bit of a stage whisper, but, like, 
There's no way Emily didn't hear that. I, I, I know it's the stage whisper and TV shows, but whatever. I thought it was said in a way that like no Emily would catch what they were even referencing. With the wedding planner gone, Lorelai's cousin, Marilyn, is going to be running the wedding. Formerly Graham. Yeah, the actresses. She plays multiple roles. After they talk for a while, they finally realize Luke has been there the whole time. Uh, <laughs> Emily finally greets him by saying, oh, Luke, you're here. <laughs> God damn, lady. Making him so, it's just, there's no, it's, you're treating him so poorly. I get that you don't like him, but pretend. And then Luke tries to say congratulations to Richard and has no idea if he's supposed to say congrats or best wishes. <laughs> it's all tongue-tied. Yeah, he's like, nice suit. <laughs> <laughs> and then Richard is like, oh, uh, you know, I can have somebody steam out your pants if you want. And then Emily laughs and she's like, oh, he's not wearing that to the wedding. Oof. She says ceremony. I don't know what this fucking thing is. And they laugh and, and laugh. They laugh. And Luke just wants to pull a Hemingway, I'm sure. We didn't talk about the scene, but at the very beginning of the episode, Luke's like, I don't want to go to this. <laughs> like, you're still making me go. And in the last episode, he was like, do I have to go? Please don't make me go. And I was like, don't go, Luke. Don't go. But she's making him go because she loves him. If he hadn't gone, she'd be with Christopher right now. Maybe. I don't think that's actually true, podcast listeners. So I don't. I. She's supposed to be with Luke, okay, forever. Is my stance and who I want to be together clear? Marilyn, by the way, meets Luke and then immediately asks Lorelai if he's a gardener because affairs with gardeners are really in right now. Then later in the episode, she asks Luke if he's ever considered being a gardener. And he says he's not good at growing things. And she's like, well, that's the least important part of being a gardener. <laughs> uh, sex, I think, is the most important part uh, in her mind. Richard uh, pulls Lorelai aside and asks her to secretly see which of these two necklaces he hands her looks best with Emily's dress so he can gift it to her. And Lorelai is like, cool, cool, yeah, you got this. Totally under the table, secret spy stuff. And then she like immediately just walks into her mom's dressing room and shows both to Emily and is like, which one do you want? And Emily's like, that one. The other one's for my birthday. <laughs> this is just like when Max was proposing yeah. and like called Rory to ask which ring Lorelai would want. And Rory's just like describing the rings openly to Lorelai sitting there silently. Yeah. Emily is very nervous and talks about how much she has missed Richard during their separation. She asks Lorelai if she thinks she'll ever want to get married. She says it like, ah, Lorelai, do you think you'll ever want to get married? Because she wants her to get married. I, it wasn't like, a, you're missing out on this and I want you to experience it, I feel like. It was sort of just like, a, are you ever going to get married? Because I want you to. That's how I took it. Yeah. But also, Lorelai then like takes a moment and says, you know, actually I do. And like, kind of smiles. She's thinking about Luke. They've already kind of set this up. But then... Emily just like stares at her for a minute, then her face drops and she says, well, that, that's nice. Mm. Ooh, this could have been like a touching moment between the two of them, right? A moment yeah. where Emily's excited for her daughter, you know, Emily's getting kind of what she wants as far as like her daughter getting married. And also she's like, oh my God, you're finally finding someone because theoretically at least I want my daughter to be happy and like she's found a man who can make her happy. But it's not about that. It's about... Fucking Emily, man. That's all. She's sad that her daughter is going to marry someone she doesn't like. And she doesn't like the person just because she thinks she's above him. That's the only reason. She just dismisses Lorelai's feelings and does not care about him. And that, that to me, this is like the straw that broke the camel's back. It's like, you're done, Emily. You're, you're a bad person. I hope bad things happen to you. This doesn't seem to bother Lorelai, really, though. She's used to this kind of shit and worse, probably. Yeah, I could also see Lorelai thinking that her mom doesn't believe her maybe but yeah it doesn't seem to bother Lorelai we also get to see what Rory's wearing she is going to be Richard's best man so she's dressed in a suit uh like the tie is a little loose so it's like modified for a woman to wear it not that a woman couldn't wear a suit but it's it's sort of like 
it's not strict, like, I'm dressed just like the guys. It's like, I'm just kind of like the guys, but changed a little bit. It's cute. Yeah, it is cute. She's got, like, her hair back. Mm-hmm. They make a bunch of jokes about this through the episode. I don't know that any of them particularly tickled my fancy as being funny, but they do a couple. Lorelai's dress, they say, is beautiful. It's just kind of okay. It looks, like, tacky to me. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I, just, I didn't think it looked good. She's got, like, this metallic little jacket over it, which... Yeah, like I mean, glittery. Emily's dress is, like, metallic, so maybe they're going for that, but, like, I don't know. It just looked, like, plastic and cheap. Yeah, I didn't like it. Like I said, her jacket is the same material as Dawn's little lamps by her bed. Yeah. If she had just worn a black dress, Luke would have been able to accept anything that happened at this wedding. She should have done that. This is such a fancy wedding. I thought it just looked not appropriate for the affair. Right. Then the ceremony starts. And honestly, we skip just about all the ceremony. But there's a couple interesting things. Like there's this great shot where the priest is talking about getting chosen by someone we love while the camera is on Luke. And he's like kind of smiling because his thoughts are maybe resonating with him or something. But then we see Christopher entering in the background, out of focus at first, but slowly coming into focus when he sits down. And we know from the last episode that he's there at Emily's suggestion to try to win back Lorelai. It was this great moment where you're like, oh, things are nice. Oh, there's going to be problems. It's so good. The camera move. Yeah, it's great. But it's also like the dialogue sort of fits the fact that like one of them might get chosen by Lorelai. So that was great. Also, they kept saying how beautiful Emily's dress was. It's nice. It's like a fancy version of what she normally wears, though. Yeah. She tried on other ones that were, like, all lace. I don't know. I just feel like she could have gone a day without wearing a suit. Yeah, I, I was not blown away by this dress at all. Totally. I, I'm also, I was like, oh, maybe I'm just wrong. I don't really have taste in outfits. But I thought it was like, this is what you went with. You're so rich. This is yeah. what you went with. I'm not, like, a 60-year-old woman. But not everyone right. gets two weddings, especially when you didn't get divorced. So I'd right. wear, like, a fun dress if I was a rich old lady. Yeah, she spent so much on this wedding. She could spend whatever on a dress. We saw her bedroom. I'm sure what she got was expensive. I was just yeah. like, this is just a shiny version of what you normally wear. Yeah. At the reception, uh, Lorelai asked Luke to run introduction interference where he would introduce himself first to people while she like takes a drink of water or something so she quote unquote can't speak. That way she doesn't have to be embarrassed by not remembering people's names or how she knows them. And honestly, we've done this a lot. I'm really bad with names as anyone who listens to the podcast should know. So vowels, vowels, you know how they go. When you get them removed, you get confused. So we do this all the time. So we totally relate to this. Logan has a date with him, some girl who seems to be flirting with him. They're definitely laughing a lot, and she keeps touching him. Rory looks sad every time she looks over at them. There's also a really, really cute scene, another great camera shot, where Rory is spying on Logan and his date from behind this, like, larger guy. She just keeps, like, peering her head around this guy who, by the way, is just essentially doing a monologue to someone about how everyone is related. Yeah, just, like, about how cousins work. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so that would be your second cousin, and that's twice removed. This guy was great. So yeah. funny. And it's just such a funny visual of her, like, popping her head out like a prairie dog from behind this guy to see what's going on. Very funny. I love that. It's really good shots, camera work for this. Great direction. Yeah, there's a lot going on in these scenes. A lot yeah. of movement and stuff. Lorelai notices Christopher and then just turns to Luke and just flat out tells him that she spent the night at his house drinking recently because his father died. She was afraid Christopher was going to bring it up, so she just wanted to drop it all on Luke now so she didn't have to mention all this in front of him. I would not have mentioned the specific night. She was like, yeah, the night of the reenactment. Because then it pins it in time on a day he knows she lied to him. Well, I mean, you might as well get it all in the open, I guess. That's true. It's worse if you're like, and you never knew about it. I don't know. But he, like, might not ask what day it was. 
It's a lot. Luke's kind of like mulling that over a bit when Christopher just immediately comes over and it is awkward. Lorelai goes out of her way to point out that she's dating Luke and they're doing great and also they're having sex. (laughs) (laughs) This all comes out like verbal diarrhea. Uh, She's just like trying to make things right. Christopher's like, great, let's grab a drink later. So Lorelai and Luke sit down and Luke seems kind of pissed. He's not like yelling at her or anything, but you could just probably like processing, you know, Mm -hmm. the truth bomb she just dropped on him. But then he seems to maybe let it go. Maybe think it's okay. Maybe taking some of his own advice. Maybe remembering how crazy TJ got when someone hypothetically maybe was having lunch with his wife. He lets it go when Lorelai keeps asking him, begging him really to go dance with her. And he's like, okay, okay. So they dance. And they dance for a while. Lorelai loves to dance. Well, I think she's also dancing to keep him from Christopher. You think so? Yeah, because later they're dancing and Lorelai's like, oh, you can't stop dancing. Marilyn's over there. And he's like, really? Marilyn seems to be conveniently behind me a lot. Like she's not behind him. She also likes to dance. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I took it like she was trying to keep him dancing. Oh, she was trying to keep him dancing, but I wasn't sure if it was Christopher, but that's totally possible. I also got to keep him from Totsie. Yeah, Totsie, by the way, is a relative of theirs that hugs everyone and she smells really bad. And if you get totted, you're going to be smelling for the rest of the day. Totsie. If you get Totsie, you're right. They have a phrase for it. Uh, this is my grandma, 100%. <laughs> yeah. She wore this like very strong perfume and she was generous with it. <laughs> she treated herself to that perfume. And you, you had to hug the lady. I'd have lunch with her. We'd hug goodbye. And then that was how I smelled the rest of the day. That's so funny. Probably all of her smell receptors in her nose are like dead. So well, she's, she's dead now. Her. So I'd say well, so. Yeah, it was the inhalation of that perfume. Really did her in. <laughs> Uh, there's no headstone, but you couldn't tell where she's buried. It's uh, it's punch. <laughs> Christopher is crestfallen and just goes to the salon where the women's group is painting. Fuck those women. He's slamming drinks, by the way. Yeah, but he's in there to sulk and drink. Maybe he's not going to go after Lorelai. I feel like in this scene, he's like, maybe I shouldn't do this. Yeah. He's also not plastered yet. And Rory follows him in there. It's interesting because both of them at this moment are watching someone they want to be with be with somebody else. Mm -hmm. He starts to tell Rory about his and Lorelai's first kiss. When they were 14, she just walks over and kisses him on the lips and says, well, I just wanted to know what it would be like. And he says that's the best day of his life. And I kind of want to be like, really? Not like the first time you had sex with her or when your daughter was born or when your daughter was born. (laughs) Yeah, that was like too much. That's bad writing, I think. Yeah. If he had said one of the best days, I would have been like, fine, I'll let that go. But really, that's your bet. Like, your daughter being born wasn't a better day than that? Or your daughter being born? Exactly. Yeah, and she asks him, like, did you like that? And he's all like, who wouldn't want to be kissed by a Gilmore girl? And then she gets up, and she goes back to the party, having gotten this, like, advice from Christopher that he didn't know he was giving her. He finishes his drink and goes to get another. Rory then confidently walks over to Logan, then lies to him by saying she didn't know he was coming. Then asks about the pretty girl he brought. He says, oh, they're just friends. And Rory asks him to dance. And while they're dancing, Rory asks, you know, is he ever going to ask her out? He tells Rory, and he uses her real name, which she points out, that he would like to date her. That she's girlfriend material, but he's not boyfriend material. He doesn't want to pretend that he can do commitment right now. Rory says that she isn't in a commitment right now either. She just got done with that, and she just wants to have some no-strings-attached fun. And Logan says, "Uh, you may feel that way now, but... And Rory's like, yeah, I do feel that way. And then takes him into another room, snagging a bottle of champagne on the way. Well, she grabs the champagne. She's like, are you coming? And he goes with her. I want to point out that, like, 
I don't know what's going to happen, but the whole idea of her being like, yeah, I'm down to like do no strings attached. I'm like, I don't know, Rory. I just, that doesn't seem like you. I feel like you're going to catch feelings hard. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she's going to catch feelings. So then they start kissing in this back room. And then Logan says like, are you sure you want to do this? And then channeling her 14 year old mother, Rory says, I just wanted to know what it would be like. And then kisses him. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Logan's date is just getting tottied hard. (laughs) Yeah. She's dead now. Christopher is drunk now, and he just, like, saunters over to Lorelai and Luke and sits down. He's like, how about that drink we were going to have? Luke's been totsied for real. Yeah, he has been totsied, and he, like, reeks now. And they start kind of ribbing him for that. Christopher starts being like, oh, remember that time we got totsied? And he gets a bit aggressively friendly now and starts mentioning all these fun times they've had together. And then mentions kind of pointedly to Luke that they had lunch at the inn last month. Did he know about that? His intention to win back Lorelai, I think, is very much slipping into his conversation topics now. Mm-hmm. And it's getting uncomfortable. I mean, Lorelai was already uncomfortable. Now Christopher is, like, getting sloppy drunk. Before it gets too crazy uncomfortable, Lorelai gets up to go find Rory because they need to take a wedding party photo. An increasingly uncomfortable Luke goes with her. Lorelai finds Rory in that back room, making out with Logan. Lorelai says, hey, Grandma wants a picture. And Rory hilariously says, of this? She's very funny. <laughs> they are just making out, but it seems like they've begun taking off a few layers as well. There's some buttons that are unbuttoned. Their coats are gone. Some coats are gone, for sure. Yeah. But I don't think they've done it yet, because it's not like they're putting back on. They're they're taking off. No, they haven't had enough time. Unless Logan's not good. <laughs> also, this is a bad room to do this in if this door's not locked, Rory. What are we doing? Yeah, I just, I have questions. Before we even move on to the next part of this scene, like, are they going to have sex? Is that what's happening here? I don't know why else you'd unbuttoned so much yeah i mean i guess you can like i do some heavy petting with some making out but rory's dialogue made me feel like this is going to be more than making out Mm -hmm. and also lorelei's dialogue makes me feel like it's gonna be more than making out and i feel like i don't have a problem with her not being so sacred about her sexuality anymore now that she's you know been with people and realized that the guy who loved you quote unquote maybe wasn't right for you i don't have a problem with that but it just seems like you're this is just not the place to do that Yeah, I'm a little torn because you said that you don't believe Rory can do no strings attached. I do feel that way, yeah. I kind of feel that way too, just because she's only had sex with Dean. Yeah. And that was very much like, we're meant to be together. Yeah. So this is like her only her second person she's thinking about having sex with. Yeah, but I also do believe, just so we're clear on me, this is not me saying this is bad writing, because I also do believe that someone who's Rory's age might believe that they could do no strings attached. Exactly. I think she thinks she can do that, but she maybe can't. Exactly. And I'm not saying bad writing. I'm just saying, yeah, that makes sense that someone might say and think that. When you are trying to have sex with this person, but are later hoping he'll be your boyfriend. Exactly. I think she wants to have sex with him right now, but... Right. And maybe she could have sex with him once and, like, not get too thick of strings. Oh, that sounded weird. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's tired. He hasn't had a lot of liquid... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we don't need to dwell on it. Um, Lorelai's all like, really? You're going to do this here at like your grandma's wedding? And drunk Christopher overhears all this and walks in and then just starts yelling at Logan to get away from his daughter, loudly threatening to kick Logan's ass. Lorelai drags Christopher out, only to have Luke hear that there's a guy in there pawing at Rory. So he runs in and starts yelling at Logan to get your hands up in the air. Hands up in the air. <laughs> Lorelai drags him out. Then shuts the door and then calmly says, so uh, you must be Logan. I'm Lorelai. Nice to meet you. I thought that was really funny and cute. I like yeah. that. 
She suggests they take the back way out. Yeah, but it's just so nice of her, like, in spite of all that, being like, I'm her mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. Outside, the men are arguing about which one of them is going to kill Logan. Christopher's all like, she's my daughter. She's me and Lorelai's daughter. This isn't about you. But Luke's like, really? Then, like, where were you for, like, a lot of Rory's life events? Like, moving into her college dorm. Who helped her move in and out and, like, stored her mattress? Or how about graduation? Where were you for that? That's a question we asked. Yeah, I I think that's a mistake that the show made by not having him there. And they remembered and are calling it out now. Yeah, I'm glad that they, shows make mistakes, that happens. I'm glad that they're, like, addressing that now. Yeah, because they didn't really, I think they did mention that he wasn't there in that episode. But it wasn't, like, a big deal. It wasn't, Yeah, no one seemed to care. It wasn't, like, an excuse. Yeah. But I think we talked about this at that time, and I knew that Luke threw it in his face at some point. Yeah. So I was like, that's that's kind of cool that they, I I definitely don't think they were setting up this moment a season and a half later. No, but I applaud them for doing it. Mm -hmm. I think it was a good callback. Christopher says that none of this matters and that Luke is with Lorelai for now, but he and Lorelai belong together. So is Christopher channeling Jess right now? Just like an angry rant about how everybody knows they should be together? I'm sure, yeah. He's never met Jess. That doesn't go well with Gilmore Girls, okay? That doesn't go well. Gilmore Girls do not respond to this type of talk. Christopher admits he messed up with Lorelai. He missed his opportunity, but everybody, including Emily, no, they're supposed to be together, and Emily specifically told him it wasn't too late. That's why he's here. And Glory knows it, and Ben yeah. knows it. <laughs> yeah. Jinx knows it. Buffy knows it. Uh, Luke is upset, understandably so, and leaves. Lorelai chases after him, but Christopher like keeps following her and dogging her. At first, she's like, get out of my way, Christopher. And then she's like, get some coffee, Christopher. That line sticks with me so much. I don't know yeah. why. She's so angry. She, it, it, she acts it out. Well, Lauren does a great job there. Like the first one's angry, but this is very much like, I'm not addressing you until like you're sober. Mm-hmm. But then cousin Marilyn grabs Lorelai for the wedding photo. They've been waiting for her. And she says, it's funny because this is like a very intense emotional moment, but there's so still good. a really funny line in here. When she's like leading Lorelai over to the photo, she says, you can't keep a room full of Anglo-Saxons waiting for cake this long. They start to form more clubs. <laughs> This so is all funny. great camera work, too. They're just, like, chaotically being led through this room. Yeah. But then they go to take the photo. Lorelai stands next to her mother, arms crossed. And right before the photo was taken, Lorelai just, like, turns to her mother and, like, furiously says, You and me, we're done. Ugh. And then she does not smile for the photo. And Emily, like, is not present in the photo either. Ooh, that so, line. yeah, that line. I'm always, like, anticipating that line. You're just saying it now. I'm just like, Ugh. Yeah, I'm so excited to see where they're going to go with this. I mean, and ah, we needed to set Emily's machinations here were so immoral and selfish. I know the show tries to make us like Emily sometimes, but like, I mean, there's just no forgiving these things. Not you try to break up Lorelai and Luke. You're you're fucking with me now, Emily. Okay, <laughs> you picked a fight with me now. Could you imagine your mother betraying you like this? No. Especially, there's so many layers to why this is wrong, okay? So many layers. But especially because Emily knows what it's like to have a mother-in-law, like, trying to say that someone isn't good enough for your kid. Mm-hmm. She hates her mother-in-law for doing that, for sending that letter. And she's doing the same thing. Yeah. Could it be, Emily, that your mother-in-law was wrong? For having those feelings you definitely feel like she was right could it be that maybe you're wrong now it's just it's the exact same thing and emily doesn't see how she's the villain here it's insane it's insane i'm hoping that lorelei throws that in her face at some point i can't remember 
but it's that added layer is like, Emily, you know what you're doing and you should see why this is wrong. Not to mention, if you want to talk to your daughter and say, hey, I really feel like, hear me out, maybe you and Christopher should get back together. Like, I know he wasn't great. I'm just telling you how I feel. Or say, hey, I'm telling you how I feel. I don't like Luke. I know that Lorelai already knows that. And it's not nice. But if you really feel that way, you could tell your daughter and that's fine. But what she's doing is she's avoiding any of the backlash by, like, putting all this into motion without saying any of it to Lorelai. Has she tried to push them together before? There was the episode where he showed up at Friday Night Dinner and Emily correctly insists that she didn't do it. But Lorelai had in her mind that she might have. So I'm trying to think if there was meddling. I think she did call Christopher. Maybe you're right. It might have been all off screen, but I think she did meddle somehow. Poisoning someone's relationship like this is, oof, it's just not cool. I feel like I'm repeating myself at this point, so I'm going to stop. So anyway, excited to see where that goes. Uh, Also wanted to mention really quickly that Christopher at some point makes a comment when he's talking to Rory about 14-year-old Lorelai and says, you know, your mother, she always knows what she wanted. And I'm like, does she though? I feel like it's a point of the show that she doesn't. Like, she was like going to get married to Max and then was like, eh, maybe I don't want to get married to Max last minute. That's true. I guess she's just strong-willed in the moment. And... She wanted her daughter to go to Harvard, like, her whole life. And then was like, oh, well, maybe she could go to Yale. So I feel like she is strong-willed. I don't know that she always knows what she wants, especially in romance, though. Maybe he means she gets what she wants. Mm. It's a little different. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm excited to see where this goes. Want to know if her and Luke are done or are they still together So I'm excited. Stacy, was this a good episode? Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a great episode. It's the 100th episode. I will say I think the second half is a lot better than the first half. Yeah. Not a ton in the first part was like, ooh, this is a good one. Like, I don't know. I felt like um, Raincoats and Recipes yeah. is a really big, impactful ending. Like, a yeah. lot of big stuff happens at the end of that one. But that whole episode was like hilarious and clever. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like the bachelorette party stuff wasn't that interesting. Yeah. But once you get to the wedding, it's all solid. Oh, yeah. There's just like a ton of jokes. Rory and Logan finally connect. Christopher showing up is delicious. Just the way it was shot and the fact that it happens. Yeah. And everything was just really well directed and shot. There's yeah, a lot going on that they handled really well. Uh, it did have some very, very funny lines, like you said. But like you also said, it wasn't one of the funnier Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Especially up top. But kind of like Rainco's and Recipes, it's like, oh, man, these last like eight minutes are going to be juicy. Yeah. Like, oh, there's so much happening in this short period of time. Yeah, Gilma does that a lot where they backload a lot of the story. Yeah, You and Me Were Done is like top 10 memorable lines for me probably. Yeah, it's a good one. Well, Brian, which episode do you think was better? I mean, I'm going to have to probably go with Gilmore. I think so too. Buffy was good, but I don't know. It wasn't quite as good. No, I mean, it's if I'm being real, I feel like this season has just been so good for Gilmore. Yeah. I'm waiting for it to stop being good because people say they don't like the next like two seasons, but... Really? I mean, I also just love Luke and Lorelai together, but this well, season has just been so good. Some people really don't like Logan. Yeah. So I think some people probably just like dismiss anything after he shows up. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in love with Logan. Some people really hate Jess and hate season two and three. Yeah. It kind of just depends on your preference for... And is that the only seasons they hate or are there more seasons that the people who don't like Jess hate? Well, those are big Jess seasons. I haven't right, seen right, him in right. season five, have you? No, no, no. But so there's not like another season that they also hate a lot with Jess in it? There's other seasons people hate. <sighs> yes. Anyway, um, yeah, I have to agree with you that Gilmore Girls is the better episode. And I, I, Buffy was so good. I, I enjoyed it. It's better than the last couple for me. Yeah. I feel like Buffy's only going to get better as the season goes. 
But I, this was designed to be a better Gilmore, being the 100th episode, I think. Yeah. But Buffy answered a lot of my questions, and it was funny. The 100th episode of Buffy is going to be quite good. I'm excited. Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 5, Episode 14, Say Something. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 5, Episode 14, Crush. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Do you think that Rory was planning on having sex with Logan in the back room, or were they just doing some heavy making out? Do you think that security guard was watching on the security cameras? Do you think you'd be able to treat your friend normally if you found out that they're not real and all the memories you have of them are false? What did you think of Lorelai and Emily's dresses? Have you ever been totsied? Yeah, what's your totsy history? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Brian and Stacy. We post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, post monthly live streamed watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, Heather Welker. Thank you. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or on our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. Well, I guess we better find out what happens to Luke and Lorelai. And that uh, big, dumb ball of energy that thinks it's done. Will they lose their vowels? <laughs> or will they have their bowels removed? Find out next week. Bye,